My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Grassroots, the leading podcast focused on the women's grassroots game. In this physio's table of a podcast, we discuss how rugby impacts your sex life. Shez's birthday quite literally goes down the plug hole and we start a new section on how to start and grow a women's team. Our guest interview is Chris from Taunton RUFC Ladies and Sherry Stitch's nick up in her inimitable style. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. I'm Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. How are we all anyway? Good. Better than you, probably. Yeah, I've had better weeks, it has to be said. How are you feeling? Missing appendage? The phantom appendix. Oh my God. It started like, I've got phantom appendix pains. I have. Because you're a wiener. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all right. I'm a lot better today. I keep forgetting that I can't actually pick anything up off the floor or put socks on or pick up anything heavy without my intestines bursting out of the zip they put just below my belly button. So God, dramatic. (laughs) I'm lucky I'm alive, really. Just touch and go at one point. (laughs) <laughs> Trauma. <laughs> it was not fun. It has to be said, it was not a fun few days. Anyway, we're here. No. We're alive. Not fun. Well. How about you guys? How was the um, post-match recovery last week? Well, I didn't play, but it took me a long time to recover. Not going to lie. It was, one of the, <laughs> it was one of the most nerve-wracking games I've ever watched. Points. I just had to turn away. I just couldn't even watch it. And it was just so evenly matched as well, which was what made it so nerve-wracking. It was pretty nerve-wracking to play as well, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so talk me through it. It was an awesome atmosphere, really. Yeah. There was loads and loads of people around. Miraculously, also, we were on the first team pitch, and it was just ace. The weather was fine, beers were flowing, all good from a spectator point of view. But we got the win. You got the win. So this was against Manchester, was it? Manchester ladies. So we've had a bit of an unlucky run. You know, sometimes when rugby goes your way and you have a bit of luck and all those kind of kicks that should bounce, bounce in the right way or the line out goes straight all the time or even in the most windy conditions. and Like Jodie's bedroom. Yeah, pretty much the wind tunnel. The ref's always on your side. You have that rugby look that you seem to get. We've had absolutely sweet fuck all this season. <laughs> Everything seems to have gone wrong. We've had a lot of yellow cards though. In one game, you have five in one match. I'm not sure how that's different from any other season, to be honest. But that is bad for anybody's seasons, that. Yeah. I think they're just more spread out in past seasons. We had a concentrated game of them all in one flurry. But yeah, no, we've had a bit of unluckiness, if that's a word. We've just not won more than one game until the Manchester fixture, which was at home last week. And like Lou said, we had loads of supporters. It just felt right. The team was in really good spirits. We'd had maybe three really good performances where we'd had consistency. So we'd had the same team. People had been training. You know, we'd had a bit of team morale boost and we were in great spirits. And then luck prevailed, but actually the team performance, like our defence was ridiculous. It was like being on a battlefield. The tackles were just awesome. It was really, really good to watch. Literally, you were just going a few yards one way, a few yards the other way. 
it was really evenly matched. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was very nerve wracking. A word to describe it was relentless. We just did not stop. We were relentlessly defended for about 40 minutes. <laughs> it was just mental. Yeah, really good. And no yellow cards? Not a yellow card in sight. Oh, the bloody was. Chubbs literally ripped someone's head off. Oh, yeah. It was a smidgen of a high tackle. And then she went, but sir, it was a mistake. <laughs> and then they sent Katie over to discuss it. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. What you didn't hear was that she came off the pitch and went, yeah, fair dues. I, I did kind of rip her head off. But, you know, I'm tall. She is tall, to be fair. And actually, it's good to see that she's on the pitch rather than in the dugout vomiting in a carrier bag or something after the night before. So, I think that was a bit touch and go, whether <laughs> whether she was going to vomit on the- And then after that high tackle, Goose then did another high tackle. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and she's not even tall. She can't even use that as a defence. But fortunately, we got away with that one. I'm glad to see as well the return of the straight arm birthday cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bloody love that. It's been a while. First of all, it's a straight-arm pint, which, as the name suggests, you have to down a pint, but it's not bending your arm. And then there's, instead of actually buying a birthday cake, you get cake mixture out of a bag, and then you just straight-arm eat it from on high. Eating it is a loose term, though. Well, no, Katie managed to pour quite a lot of it in her mouth, actually, from <laughs> yeah, what I recall. Did it start rising at the back of her throat <laughs> like a cake? Oh, dear. <laughs> That's excellent news, though. It's a good win. By the sounds of it, it was all a bit of a tough game to watch, really. Anyway, in pod news, a couple of things to talk about. So first of all, got a really cool review from somebody called Kaz on Apple Podcasts, who's sent us a review from Australia, which is a bit weird because we've had an interview with Renee from Australia last week, which we'll publish in a couple of weeks. So obviously, Australia is listening avidly to the podcast, which is a little bit strange, given that I always had the view that Australian rugby was kind of professional and almost toned and fit, and there was none of the nonsense that we put up with over here, over there. But Kaz has messaged the pod, say how much she enjoys it. And so it's a big shout out to start off with for the, the Wallandilly White Waratahs. So, what a name. Easy enough for you to say, Matt. That's what I was going to say, Jodie. <laughs> so the Wallandilly, the, the Wallandilly White Waratahs. Wallandilly sounds like a nickname for my appendix, God rest its soul. Oh, God. What's the, what was the last word again? A waratah? Wallandilly White Waratahs. What's a waratah? Can you know? say that five times in a row fast, Matt? <laughs> I can try, but I'm not going to. Uh, oh, go on. Go on, go on. Wallandilly White Waratahs. I've got to say the whole thing five times. I thought we were on a timer tonight because Molly's got to do work again. Been bloody late and already eaten half of it. Oh, for God's sake. Um, yeah. No. I'm not going <laughs> to. Go on. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the Waratah anyway? What's the Waratah? I don't know. Look it up. Is it like a marsupial? I feel like if it's Australia, it's going to be some sort of marsupial. Does it have a pouch? Does a Waratah have a pouch? Possibly. Or is it a bird? I bet it's a bird. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bird. Is it a plane? Ah, <laughs> oh, you're all wrong. It's a shrub. It's a flower. Yeah, it's a shrub. Waratah oh. is an Australian genus of five species of large shrub or small trees. Native to southern parts of Australia. <laughs> there you go. I like the ferns. Absolutely. So, hi, Kaz. Thanks for messaging the pod. Also, we completely forgot about the competition because we were too excitable last time around. So, what I've thought is, given my convalescence and near-death experience last week... God. <laughs> have you been ill, Matt? You haven't mentioned that well, you've been ill, have you? Well, I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> Let's just say I was writing my will at one point. Uh, oh, God. And you lot were getting nothing. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to extend the competition until the second week in 
February, which gives us an opportunity to uh, get a few more entries in and we can announce it properly on the, not this, the next podcast, but one after that. Also, massive thanks to all the listeners. Um, the episode that we've just released for mental health has been absolutely ridiculous in terms of the number of downloads we've had already and comments and so on so i'm glad it's resonating with people it was a good listen i think even though it wasn't an easy subject to talk about keep any messages coming in and if it has resonated with you in any way let us know it's nice to know actually about the downloads keeping coming in when we do a more serious episode rather than just talking shit that people still want to listen so i just want to say thanks actually and also, it just goes to show that it is a, an important subject that resonates with a lot of people. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I was just really curious, Molly, with your OCD, were you really happy when COVID came around because you got to wash your hands more? <laughs> Fucking hell, Jodie. We did have this conversation on Sunday, didn't we, Jodie? Yeah, like, go and ask her, ask her. It's not quite like that, but I, I'm so glad everyone can have a laugh at my misfortune. <laughs> and I shall think of an equally inappropriate joke to take the piss out of you next episode. <laughs> I look forward to it. Jokes aside, COVID in, I imagine quite a lot of people who do have the compulsions for washing their hands all the time probably found COVID really, really hard. My COVID kind of isolation was great because I don't like that many people. So I quite enjoyed uh, being antisocial for a large proportion of 2021. (laughs) Actually, on a serious note, my wife and her mother suffered quite badly from health anxiety and COVID was very, very tough and remains very tough, actually. Well, I think it's probably that other people are sharing their anxiety. And so other people now understand a little bit better about how they feel. A couple of my friends who used to work in medicine, they have similar things. that They're incredibly hygienic, incredibly clean. So actually, they're just like, everybody else is just doing the same as me now. Although some of the changing rooms after rugby are definitely not hygienic, so not really surprising. And not COVID compliant. They'll never be clean. They get cleaned with yard brush. <laughs> It's probably the same yard brush that's been there since 1942 as well, isn't it? Trigger's brush, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to talk about Darren Bassett? We need to talk about him because he seems to have some unworldly obsession with our pod and the bloody Cornish pasties. He's a pasty man. He makes pasties for a living. Hold on a minute. Hasn't he called Sherry Sugar Tits this week? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, okay. I don't think we should discourage anybody that has a love of pasties from getting involved with it. Calling this. Sherry Sugar Tits. <laughs> she enjoyed it. Yeah, but he called Sherry Sugar Tits. He proposed an egg calendar and then sent a gif or some form of item with basically suggesting that we all wear Cornish pasty bikinis. Well, that was partly our fault because we talked about wearing nipple Cornish pasties. As long as he's not sending um, Cornish pasty dick pics, it's fine. <laughs> Cornish pasty, was that Cornish pasties with dicks, or how does this work? What? I don't know, Matt. You've <laughs> you've given it some thought. I can say that I've never knowingly sent a dick pic, and I never want to. I never receive one either. And we never want to receive one. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right, and Darren, we definitely don't want to receive a dick pic from you and your pasties. <laughs> I love how we've gone from one very serious episode to talking about dick pic pasties. I think we need to get back to our essential roots. We do, really. (laughs) So here's a question. So Jazz from Starbridge. It runs in the Starbridge family. I think, essentially, Starbridge, by the sounds of it, are proper wrong-ins. You've got Zoe, whatever her name is, getting a boob signed by Zoe Oldcroft. You've got Darren making nipple pasty bras. And you've got Jazz, who talks about how her rugby kit makes her feel sexy. Can we take a tour to Stourbridge? I really want to experience their team. Whatever goes on in the Stourbridge team room 
is definitely not for children by the sounds of it. I don't think, Jodie, you should experience the team. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I realised, what have I just said? Couldn't take it back. <laughs> oh, God. So, so, so Jodie's going to come on loan to Stourbridge oh, to God. see what goes on down there. Yeah, I'm always up for research. See Jazz in her sexy kit, so... Can't wait. We're losing our competition on tonight's episode alone. <laughs> we were riding high with some serious mental health content. <laughs> we're going to go back up to the top. <laughs> we're going viral. <laughs> I remember thinking I felt quite good in my rugby kit. Then I saw a photo of me playing. I was like, that is not sexy. I think it's it's okay until you're moving around. I think when you're just standing there, you know, like the team photos, you go, actually, yeah, I think I look all right. And then as soon as you see yourself in the middle of a game, gurning, or actually we have had some quality <laughs> photos recently, and, and that should definitely be something that we encourage listeners to do is send the worst photo of you whilst playing rugby. Can we talk about your hand? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what the hell is going on with the hands? So for the listeners, some photo forensic examination, ironic giving you job, Dubs, discovered that Dubs has a particularly strange hand when doing sports. It, it, I wouldn't call it hands so much. It's more like a cross between a claw and some kind of <laughs> mechanical device, isn't it? For some reason, I knew I did it when I was running in training. I cross my ring finger and my middle finger on both hands. Mentally, I think this makes me more streamlined. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise I did it until somebody pointed out. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is going on? So definitely yeah. hear from anybody who also does something strange with either their, their hands or like, you see a lot of tongues hanging out as well, don't you, in photos? Yeah. I might start a support group. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a mixture between the Jeremy Beadle wanking hand and the Mary Berry hand. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Enough! These are not affiliations that I want my hands to be associated with. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is now, you're going to be so conscious of it, you'll probably not be able to run properly. I'll be like, It'll throw splay-handed. Lopsided. I get hold of my strong hand. Yeah, well, you always run with your head on one side as well. Yep, I do. I'm sorry, I was distracted. I'm just currently uploading a picture to Instagram of Laura's finger. Enough of this. Yeah, I do. To be fair, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing it though. I think it's just a reaction, isn't it? What do you do, well, Matt? Do. He doesn't run. I can't run these days because. <laughs> Because my intestines will fly out the zip they've put in oh, my belly button. Oh, my God. Right, can we mute him every time he mentions his bloody appendix? Well, I think we fine him. Years it's going to take. <laughs> it will. So, Jodie, actually, I remember years ago seeing a, a rather comical picture of you in full flight against some opposition. And I remember saying to you, God, you look really aggressive, like you're really trying to take somebody out in that picture. And your answer was, no, I just can't see a thing without my glasses on. I was trying to find out where they were. Just squinting. And my concentration face is always biting my bottom lip. So that is a sight to behold. It just made me laugh. It was just almost as if you were trying to sort of find them in the mist or something. Just trying to spot the oppositions coming out of the darkness to take them out. This is an interview with Grassroots, the women's rugby podcast, with Chris, who's joining us today from Taunton Ladies down in Somerset. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hi, how are you doing? Really good, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. No worries. So Chris, a little anecdote before we kick off. I actually played for Taunton once. Oh, really? Yeah, very long time ago, probably 1997 or something. I went to Taunton School, so I know Taunton very well. You would have played at the old Priory Park then? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we, yeah, I played a game to help out once way back when. Uh, very, very different to school rugby, I remember at the time. I think <laughs> playing some of the caged animals from the West Country uh, was quite different uh, to playing public school boys from Canford. But it was good fun. And I've got fond memories of that stadium, actually. We won a, a county cup competition there once when I was must have been under 15. So it's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. So Chris, as an opening question then, what I'm interested to know today from you is just a little bit about the Taunton ladies team. I know you're fairly new, but tell me about your journey so far. We started smack bang in the middle of lockdown, totally the wrong time to start a, a new venture. Rhea, our captain, she's been trying to get ladies rugby at Taunton for a, a lot of years and sort of chance conversation and we ended up saying yeah go on let's do it so we started off with three of us and it's grown and grown and grown and uh, we have a team of ladies who are all completely new to the game that's very grassroots isn't it yeah yeah totally um we've got two or three ladies that are returning to the game now who've been out for sort of eight ten years come back in so we're just taking it slowly slowly a lot of confidence building and Obviously, you're starting with a group of ladies who don't know the game. It's been great. So there's two sides to that then, isn't there? There's the challenging side, which is creating a team out of nothing. Uh, I've been there myself. And then there's a second part of that, which is you've got a group of women who are coming to the game with no bad habits learned from from other clubs and other coaches. So how are you approaching the building of a team from this starting point? They're very driven from the the team building side of stuff. As in, they're great for the social, they're great for mixing in the group chat on, on WhatsApp is phenomenal. So that the team building part of it is taking care of itself from that sort of like they're great for welcoming new ladies into the group. And then from a coaching point of view, we're playing lots and lots of touch games, lots of fun games, and just gradually building up the knowledge. So we're sort of like conditioned touch. So we might explain at the start of the session the rules of the game and the reason why we're doing them. So trying to increase the knowledge, the reason why the rules might be a bit obscure this week. That sounds like a challenge. It is. It's good fun though. It's great fun. <laughs> and how have you gone about actually bringing players into the team? Because it's all very well saying, come down to the pitch up and play, give it a go, have a game of touch, but getting them to commit and particularly going into the winter months to come training once or twice a week can be really difficult. So how have you gone about actually building numbers? Uh, lots of social media, lots of Facebook, Instagram we found has been really popular, tagging in the club a lot. We've put a lot of news articles out through the local press and through the club website. But I think predominantly Facebook and Instagram is what we've used most of all. Uh, and a lot of word of mouth. You know, the, If the ladies are having fun, if it's a good session, they think they've had a good workout and they've achieved something from it, they go back and speak to their friends, bring their friends down. We do say from day one, there is absolutely no pressure for you to take contact or be part of contact if you don't want to we've just started to broach a little bit of contact recently but we'll play a touch game and if you want to just be a touch player then we just go for hands on the hips but then we've we've sort of incentivized the contact by saying if you can get a shoulder touch then we'll give that as a turnover allowing them to experiment with little bits of contact but giving them control over how how much and when they have it. It's usually the way, in my experience, that once they start getting into an environment where contact's happening, then it becomes almost a natural instinct to tackle. Maybe not tackle using the best possible techniques. They don't need any encouraging to actually make contact. Yeah, it's funny because we had a few uh, few ladies that we started who were 100%, I don't want to play in contact rugby. When, when it plays to contact, I might leave. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Where we've had the little, the inadvertent little bumps happen during training. And then it's almost like they go, well, oh, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a, a situation two weeks ago where, where one of our ladies who was categorically did not want contact 
Uh, she got a shoulder touch, got a turnover, and then the next shoulder touch, she nearly flattened somebody. So. <laughs> I remember very vividly a similar session a long time ago with one of our players, Fuchsia, who's a real character, actually. And I remember we did a, a tackling session. Majority of it was on pads and bags, as well as a bit of player on player. I remember afterwards chatting to her, and she had eyes like saucers, and she said, it's something like, all my life I've been told I'm not, I'm not allowed to play rough and tumble, and now I'm allowed to, and it's actually encouraged. It's amazing. <laughs> and from, from that point forward, she became one of the heaviest tacklers I think I've ever seen. A few sessions that we've had where... It started off very, very polite, where if there was yes. an, an accidental bump of shoulders, or on, they'd be, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and now they're knocking into each other. They go, oh, sorry, don't apologise. That was great. Yeah, yeah. You see it on the pitch, even in matches, you know, that somebody will make an absolute haymaker on a player, turn the ball over, and then they make a point of when, the, you know, at a breakdown, going off and apologising and making sure the other player's all right. It's like, it's nice, but it's part of the game. As a male coach then, coaching a group of women who are new to the game, how have you found that, but from the perspective of getting across what can be quite complex concepts and also terminology to people who have no idea what a 910 channel is or a, what binding means and all this sort of stuff it's been very interesting to be honest it massively challenges you as a coach because you get used to for me coaching blokes in the past and coaching teenage boys and stuff there's a level of you expect them to understand because they've grown up watching the game but this group of ladies i've got at the moment they haven't grown up watching the game so you, you have to literally break down and explain everything it massively challenges as a coach but we sort of have an open policy i say to them if you don't understand something please don't feel you you can't put your hand up and, and just say what does that mean and it sometimes it leads the session in a different direction as to where you wanted it to go but it's all purposeful for other coaches listening that are probably having similar experiences what advice would you give them to breaking the game down in chunks that are, that are digestible Probably explain the positions on the pitch a little bit more. Uh, one, it's one of the things I've I, I sort of fell foul of a little bit was you'd be explaining something and you'd be, so you say you talk about the nine ten channel, and one of the hands come up and say, "What does nine and ten mean?" Right, actually, I, I need to explain to you what a scrum half is, what scrum half roles are. That's caused me to sort of go back a little bit sometimes and actually have individual position focus sessions and give everyone a chance to have a go at being a scrum half. Working out as a fly half, what do you want from your scrum half, and allow them to talk to each other about, oh, I'd like the ball to come a little bit more in front of me. You tend to, in rugby, I think, settle on positions too early, and that's often based on need. You need a prop, somebody's strong and, and the right kind of body type to do that. So that's where they go, and they never actually experience anything other than scrummaging, trucking the ball up, you know, ruck them all. Or actually, if you said in a session, right, you're scrum half for today, that would give them a completely unique perspective, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, we did a scrummaging session uh, last week. I got a mate of mine who started coming down helping coach, helping coach now, and he said to the ladies, "Look, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. It's quite a daunting thing to do is to put your head in and go into a scrum." Said, but we're not going to be doing active live scrummaging. We want to just go and play with the positions and talk about why we do certain things. Why do we set our feet? How do we set our hips? How do we square ourselves up and be strong and safe in position? And they all wanted to have a go of it and said, "Look, a vast majority of you will never scrummage." But at least if we go and do it and we'll understand what other people are doing, it gives us a, a better understanding of of the whole game. And they all just embraced it. They went for it. A few yeah. of them afterwards said, really enjoyed it. I don't think I'd ever want to scrummage, though. That's fine. At least you understand, you know, how to try of what we were doing. But building up to that in touch sessions, we did... So the first two touches you could offload, on the third touch within a game, you had to go down with the ball to your chest and then lift and bear crawl over in that sort of tower of power position. When we linked the two together and said, the reason we've been playing this game is to set this position and get you used to being in this neutral spine position, ready for the scrummaging session. 
And I think when they can start to see that we were linking yeah. elements within the play to build towards setting a scrum, it really helped them engage within the session. I noticed on social media you've been joining up with uh, another club to do some joint training sessions. Talk me through that. Yeah, we were contacted by, uh, so I know the one of the coaches over at Chard, and he contacted me and said, look, do you fancy getting together and, and having a, a joint training session? thought it was fantastic and put it to the ladies and they loved it. We started off there in this sort of very similar situation to us. They've started relatively recently. They've got a lot of new girls who are playing and we wanted to give them the a game feel, let them be on the same team as each other and let them have experience a full pitch as well. Because, you know, for us, we quite often in training sessions, we're playing 6v6 or 5v5 sometimes depending on numbers but actually opening it up and having a whole pitch and letting them all be on the same side completely opened their eyes there's no substitute for it is there when we've tried that in the past it also is like a great idea that on the day there's a few dropouts and people get a bit uneasy about playing against other teams and so on how did you manage to keep the ladies engaged with that as a strategy we explained to them that it was going to be touch there was no fear of, of contact in that for those that didn't want it I also explained to them it's nothing different from what we do week in week out training it's just more numbers it's just different opposition yeah. really sold it to them that this is a chance for us to all be on the same team they loved that and typically the day that we'd arranged for it the heavens opened about an hour nah. training and didn't stop until about six o'clock the next morning it was no the wettest training session we've had since we started it was horrendous I was driving to the ground thinking, oh, there's going to be three turn up here because it's awful. Yeah. The weather is absolutely awful. And I think we probably had the highest turnout we've had. They were so yeah. up for it. Even a few of the girls who've got little niggles like calf injuries and things, they all came down to support, even though it was a training session. Great atmosphere. What we did afterwards is we all went in the changing room together and sat down and we were in there for about 45 minutes. Just girls intermingling having photographs it was really good really positive do you think that's something that you'll do again oh, 100 percent. you know it's almost worth saying you know once a month we're going to train with another team isn't it i think that would be a good way of keeping it moving it was really beneficial it actually uh, i found since we had that session the focus of the ladies has changed a lot as well i think they feel a bit more confident about the game situation within the training session as well you can see different people try in different positions on the pitch and has the feedback from Chard been similar straight away they said we bumped into a few of them yesterday down at uh, red roses game uh, and they were, they were saying then they absolutely loved it and they're looking forward to the next one the beauty of that session was i had three of my ladies who'd been to two training sessions before and still came along i think Chard had the same they had a few ladies that were completely new because it was touched because it was a training session they felt they could come and be involved. So looking at this season then, what are the aims and ambitions of Taunton ladies for the next few months? Build the numbers, keep people coming down. Obviously, the, as, as you said earlier on, the, the battle's going to be when we get to those cold, wet nights, do, do we keep going? We might, if it's really, really cold and wet, we might start looking for some alternative venues, maybe some indoor sessions. But the main thing for us is grow the numbers, grow the confidence and see where we are by the end of the season. I mean, I'd love to get to some contact sessions and try and play as many friendlies as we can, really. If there's no goal at the end of it, it becomes easy to not come, especially when it's cold and wet. But if you're training towards something, then I think people stay more engaged. Yeah, completely. What kind of atmosphere would you say is within the squad? It's just fun. It's great fun. It, it, fun to coach, fun to be around, really welcoming. I love it. You know, well, we've both been around men's rugby for a lot a lot of years. And you know what it's like. You turn up to a new club, to a new session, and nobody talks to you. You get chucked a pad. 
and the pack run over you for 80 minutes, 40, 50 minutes, whatever it is, and then uh, you go in the bar, have a pint, and you'll have that for three, four weeks before you get accepted into the group. Whereas I find with women's rugby, it's completely different. Somebody new turns mm. up and they're dragged straight into the group. They're introduced. They all start chatting. It's just really welcoming, totally different. We spoke to the ladies after the training session with Chard, and you know, I said to them, you'd never get this in men's rugby. You'd never no. get two clubs coming together to help each other out, or very, very rarely. Certainly what we found in the Northwest is that there isn't this legacy of rivalry between clubs. You know, if you think about the men's rugby, where we are at Crew and Nantwich, there are beefs and issues and people, you know, leaving one club and going to the next and difficult results and things that go back nearly 100 years now. Yeah. So there's this ingrained rivalry and mistrust, if you like, of local teams like Whitchurch, Sandbach and so on. Some teams are ahead of where we are in terms of playing numbers and so on on our doorstep. There's always this risk with players that they'll leave at the end of the season and so on. But with the ladies, we don't have that as much. There aren't those big rivalries. There are a few that are, uh, that are starting to develop after quite a few years of playing each other now. But on the whole, they're still pretty positive. A long way that continue, I think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Look on social media down here and you see lots of teams are, well, we're short of players this week. Can anybody help out? And you know, people jumping in to help each other out. It's fantastic. What has coaching women done for you as a coach? It challenges you. Uh, it's, a, it's a very different environment. I've got to say, hand on heart, it's the most fun I've ever had coaching. You, know, yeah. you, you don't have the egos. You don't have the, oh, I've been playing for 20 years. What can you teach me? Sort of yeah. attitude. The big difference for me is Blokes don't want to be coached half the time. You know, the coach walks towards a group of players practicing something. You see half, two or three of them turn their backs like, oh, God, this is going to interrupt. Turn up to a women's session and if you walk towards them, and you, it's almost like they're hungry hungry for knowledge. That they're really engaged. I think with, in the men's game, because things like kicking is, is such a big part of the game. In the women's game, it's only just starting to become a thing at, you know, in our club and we're at championship one level. As a result, you have to think about game management, territory in a very different way in men's rugby it'd be where you can hoof the ball 60 meters clearly lines get out of danger and so on with the women's game they're not able to i say they're not able to do that of course they're able to do that but it's not as big a part of the game yet the kicking skills are developing rather than already there in most cases and that completely changes the way you approach the management of a match i find it's interesting with the kicking because i had one of my ladies who'd come down who's played previously and she's quite confident to kick up until she turned up the rest of them didn't really feel, you know, this kicking this weird shaped ball mm. was a bit of a barrier. So we, we had a session where we uh, we had a game of kick darts. So we made a dartboard with some cones on the pitch and we just split them into two teams and see who could score the most. Just to introduce the aspect of kicking. And then we went into a game and straight away a few of them started just having a little try at it. Mm. Um, and we said, you know, if you want to kick the ball when you go through, it's absolutely fine. No, go for it. Try it. Play with it. See see what happens. Over the next few weeks, more of them are starting to kick. More of them are starting to kick. Trying to now play with different types of kick. And then they, they're starting to come and ask questions of, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Mm. And you know, I think once you get them asking you, you're not forcing them to do something they don't want to do. What would you say is the, the most grassroots thing you've ever seen? I grew up in the Northeast. And I remember going down to sort of uh, Hartlepool area and... There was a club there that was renowned for being quite a, a hard place to go and play. They give you the smallest, as they, as they always do when you go away to play, the smallest changing room, the furthest away, the coldest showers. And this club was renowned for hosing the changing room down before you went there. So you were getting changed in constant wet. And we turned up, we got off the bus and uh, 
<laughs> we walked into the club and obviously one of them had asked one of the under 10s or under 11s to go down and hose the changing room down for us for a bit of a laugh. <laughs> but he'd, um, he'd forgot to turn the hose pipe off. Oh, no. We <laughs> <laughs> turned out the referee had a complete piss on because the whole changing area, the referee's changing room, everything was under about two inches of water. <laughs> we all ended up getting changed in the car park to go out and play, even the home team. That is so grassroots, that is. All of us have experienced the changing room drama over the years, yeah. I remember coming off of a freezing cold in Liverpool absolutely caked in mud from head to toe the showers were at best a dribble of cold water <laughs> you know you just, you just don't know where to start i mean you look like the monster from the bog you know <laughs> and so does 30 other players and we're all having to find a way of you know getting this mud off us with this tiny trickle of water it was like that was this is no fun <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the harshest refereeing experience I've ever had as well. He was in such a mood. Well, listen, Chris, really enjoyed chatting to you today. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, it's been great much. to hear about Taunton and obviously you have, you know, having a personal connection to that area as well. It's uh, it's nice to, to hear that the women's rugby love is spreading to that neck of the woods. So thank you. So last question for, for me, Chris, really. you know, what, what advice would you give to anybody out there listening that thinks, you know what, this sounds fun, I fancy a go? Oh, just have a go. Just... just find a club, turn up and have a go. It's, you know, I found being involved in sport, uh, it's not just the game that's the, that, that it affects, it's your whole life. You know, yeah. confidence from being part of a team, confidence from being part of a group, um, confidence from pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Um, just have a go. It's, it's, yeah. It's a great thing to be involved in. 100%. I couldn't endorse that anymore. Um, and I suppose, yeah, so a little bonus question because it just popped into my head. Um, you're in that space where a lot of teams have, ha- have been or about to go into where you're trying to create something from scratch. That that can be challenging, but also it can feel quite disheartening at times. For those teams out there that are, feeling like they're not going anywhere, that they're, they're not quite getting the numbers in, um, they don't really feel like it's 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 going to happen. What what advice can you give those? Um, keep it fun. Mm. You know, keep it fun. Link up with other clubs. Speak to other coaches. Speak to other players. You know, uh, the, the main thing is, it's just got to keep it fun. It, it's, it's, I think sometimes we get focused on the... 15 players on the pitch playing a good hard game and getting a win you know sometimes you sometimes your victories come from walking off the pitch smiling I mean I, I sometimes look back at it and see 10 12 ladies walking off the pitch grinning smiling and they're not jumping straight in the car and leaving they'll hang around for 20 minutes after if it's fun they'll keep coming if it's fun they'll bring their friends absolutely I think I'd add to that stick at it yeah, yeah, you know, just, just stick at it. Keep yeah. on. You know. We'll have sessions some weeks. You know, we had a real. When we very first started, we had quite good numbers, um, and those numbers dwindled down. And we've had sessions. We've turned up. There's been me and two players. Yeah. Um, between yeah. you know, they've made the effort to be there. So you know, I'll make the effort to coach them. Let's, let's find something we can do. Do do some little two v ones and jump in with them. Then have a bit of fun, sort of throwing the ball at the post and just do something, but keep it fun. Yeah. 
I, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. I, I, yeah, I made the commitment early in my coaching journey where if you if you're willing to train, I'm willing to coach. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether it's one of you or fifty of you. You know, I'll always be there at the at the allotted time. I think there's a danger sometimes when it, when the you know you are two or three players. People, you turn up, you think, oh, let's just give it a miss tonight. Let's go for a pint instead. No, get out there. It, even if it's just forty minutes, yeah, do something. Have a run around, throw a ball around, do something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I mean, my, my lady sessions follow straight on from because I coach you under fifteens, and then mm. I have a quick drink of water, and we jump straight into the lady session. Mm. Um, I've even had a few of the under fifteens who stayed stayed back to help out to make the numbers up, just to just to keep it going and keep it purposeful. Um, mm. You know, I, I drag my fat carcass out there sometimes and run around as well, and then regret it the next day. But <laughs> but it, it, again, it's, if we're having fun, they'll keep coming. Yeah, completely completely agree excellent well listen chris really enjoyed chatting to you today thanks so much for joining me um it's been great to hear about hear about taunton uh and obviously having you know having a personal connection to that area as well it's uh it's nice to 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 hear that uh, the the the, the ladies rugby the women's rugby you know love is spreading to that neck of the woods so thank you so much thank you very much for inviting me on no no problem at all um, so and you know, very best of luck with the, the upcoming season. I'm, I look forward to to seeing those results coming in in due course. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So the context of this conversation is: we were at training the other night, and we were talking about the after effects of the rugby bus and how the rugby bus can have an impact not just on you as a person but also on your relationships a little bit and how it can actually affect your ability to well to get it on let's put it uh, nice and clearly how does rugby affect your relationships uh well a sunday shag if it's game day is out of the question that is out the window me and josh were having a conversation about it obviously post you and lou suggesting it and Lou kind of made some jokes to Josh and he kind of went along with it. But then when we got home, we discussed it. And there's a window of time that potentially sex is off the cards and no one even tries to instigate it because we know we're both dying. So Josh obviously plays on a Saturday. So Saturday morning is a great slot. But after the game on Saturday till probably Tuesday evening is the no-go zone. Because Saturday evening, he's probably asleep by nine o'clock or pissed and can't move. And then Sunday, obviously, we play. And then the Monday rugby bus hits. So when Tuesday evening comes, I'm just about starting to feel a little bit alive. (laughs) But then John goes to training. So then he's out for another couple of days. Yeah, it's a bit of a cram, I'm not going to lie. So Tuesday to Friday, there's a lot of action and there's a bit of a dry spell for the weekend. There's a half hour slot on a Tuesday. So whenever you say, oh, you can't record on a Tuesday night, it's nothing to do with the fact that you're out or busy. No, it's my shag night. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's just the, you know how we all discuss when you roll out of bed on Monday and you don't actually know which bit of you is broken uh, and it takes a lot of might to get out and just go for a wee. Imagine trying to have a full-blown shag on a Monday. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you're lucky because your partner also plays rugby, so he kind of gets this. When you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't play rugby and doesn't get this, then you've got problems. There's always porn. That's what I'd say to them. I've played rugby. There's a laptop. Go downstairs. No, jokes aside. Yeah, it is hard, though, because... There's only so many years you can say that for, though. You tend to just sort of try and style it out a little bit, which can end up being pretty uncomfortable. 
I remember a time, long, long time ago, where I'd been playing rugby and uh, came off the pitch. No, it was on. It would have been on the Sunday, and yeah, similarly, rugby bus hit. wasn't feeling great. Anyway, Sunday was shag day. Mid session, I got cramp in both of my thighs, <laughs> like both of my thighs, yeah, and like cramped so badly that it looked, felt like I'd been shot in both legs. Did you carry on? I tried. I, I tried to style it out, but then. In the end, I literally just just leapt off and just basically started hopping around the room trying to straighten out my legs. <laughs> this is all well and good, except for the fact that I was in a ground floor flat. And even though we had blinds drawn and stuff, it was pretty obvious that I was hopping around the room in some subtative undress. But the girl I was with at the time didn't understand what the hell was happening. One minute we're on it, next minute I'm leaping around the room, screaming. So that was a bit awkward. <laughs> Why was Sunday a sex day, though? Well, because I was playing rugby on Saturday. It's the day of rest. Although it was really awkward because I lived in this flat in London and with the middle floor, there was a, um, a flat below us, a flat above us and a flat next to us. And you had to time it right because everybody around you would start having sex too. So you'd hear the, the couple beneath you <laughs> going at it at about half past seven. They were early risers, quite literally. And then the guys. Did you live in Amsterdam, Matt? No. <laughs> Did you live in a sex hotel? Awesome, <laughs> <laughs> right. Might as well have done. And then the guys next door would start it. If you got your timing wrong, you'd end up being in some ridiculous rhythm with the guy next door, which was just <laughs> not very sexy. It has to be said. And now we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Nick Joyce, crew and Nantwich ladies, ankle ligament damage. Holly, Exeter Saracens, stud through her boot and her foot. Katie, Exeter Saracens, Surgery to both of her legs. Matt, grassroots host, appendectomy. Katrina Arnold, Starbridge Panthers, concussion caused by her own teammate. Charlotte, Exeter Saracens, pregnancy. Congratulations. They shall grow not cold, as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the muds condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. someone that understands it's fine because you can both lie there on a Monday morning and just be like I can't move or whatever but actually there has been some several occasions where I'm completely injured and I was speaking to Katie actually about an incident where she was injured and she actually had a cast on and I don't know if I'm supposed <laughs> to share this but I'm going to tell everyone anyway so she went out on a night out and was sat down at a table with a cast on and she got chatting to this lad obviously many moons ago before she was married and then she went back with him 
and he didn't notice until they were in bed <laughs> together that she got a cast on. <laughs> Did he end up with plaster burns? I'm not sure, but I thought, what an absolute legend to be able to hide it till that. That's point. pretty impressive. Is that like keeping your socks on during sex? Keeping your cast on. Well, to be fair, if you're that injured, you can't take your cut your socks off, so you just have to plough on through. It does sound like some weird euphemism. Quite literally. She got her cast on. It can cause saying. real conflict, though, can't it? I don't know about your experience, Lou, over the years, but but certainly in my relationship, it's caused loads of conflicts when you, you need that recovery time the next day. Oh, it's caused no end of conflict in my past relationship. And I think when your other half has no interest and doesn't understand and doesn't have the same passion about rugby as you do, it can cause some real discord between you. And when you're really looking for some empathy and some just some TLC and a bit of understanding because you've just been literally run over by 10 women wearing very long studs. You know, you just want a bit of bit of TLC, not just, oh, well, tonight's the night. What the hell's the matter with you? I'm like, I can't move. It's hard work, actually. It's the whole having a partner who doesn't get the whole rugby thing. What about your space, Jane? You know, you've had a couple of relationships, you've been... As a gay person, do you have a different take on things as well? I don't think that I can't not perform when I've played rugby because I usually performed after we did like sevens and stuff and would always go out and try. (laughs) Um, But I knew this podcast was coming up, so I decided to do a bit of research, didn't I? No. I decided to go out there and... uh... So, yeah, I went out the other night. My relationship's up pretty over. I realised that my sits of women are a bit just can't seem to find the right woman and the woman like at the minute she's sort of unavailable because she's married to a man this Christ. person came up to me gave me their number Is understandable it me. this person called joe gave me their number and we planned to meet up joe is a male oh and has God. a penis <gasps> so, so well. she'll report back next uh, podcast on on the post-game sex have you been for the date with joe so I was planning for the date. I was like, right, this is going to be my f- time. This is it. I'm going to lose my virginity at 25. This is going to happen. I'm actually really prepared for calling this. him Joe the man? Joe the man. Joe the man. Yeah. Joe the man, the male. All right, come on, Jody, you can do this. Try it out. Let's see. You might be a bit bi. Give it a go. Try it out. Uh, my friend's like, oh, are you, are you ready? Are you on the pill, aren't you? I was like, why the fuck would I be on the pill? Like, honestly. <laughs> we, we've heard your understanding of contraception before on the podcast, Yeah, Jody, it's not great. Let's just say, you know, you need to go and borrow some of Molly's 500 condoms from holiday that she didn't use. Got none left, sorry. <laughs> Sean and Josh used them all themselves. Very, very true. <laughs> to be fair, Jody asked me to go and buy us some because... Why, a lesbian's not allowed to buy Apparently condoms not, no. in this day and age? No. I didn't know oh. what to... I just felt awkward. I feel like a 16-year-old all over again. So we arranged to meet up, but we got COVID, so that got cancelled. So then we met up on Tuesday, last Tuesday, <gasps> we went for a drink. <gasps> and he's an amazing person. He's, like, really nice and so sweet. Yeah. And we ended up going back to his. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah. Does he know he's going to be on this podcast? But did you fall on the cock? That's what we want to know. Right. He didn't know I was gay. Yet, despite the fact that I told him I play rugby, I told him I'm a telecommunications engineer. Whilst on the night that I first met him, I was flirting with a barmaid in front of him. I've not got kids. I mean, all the signals were pointing to gay. Were you wearing dungarees as well when you went? I was wearing jeans. I think. Doctor Martins. No. Did you ask for Skunk and Nancy on the stereo? No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So I went round to Joe's house and 
went to go do the deed and he came in for the kiss and I bottled it. Oh, Tony! That's not the biggest cliffhanger ever. Yeah, the headline is, I think I might be gay. So when you say bottled it, as in you didn't, did you kiss? No, it was just an impulse reaction just to avoid it. Like, I just recoiled. You recoiled? And he still wants to see you again. It's the challenge now. He's going to try and turn you. (laughs) He wants to turn you. To be fair, Joe, you've been an expert at turning people over the years. So somebody's having their own back on you a little bit. They don't usually stick. (laughs) (laughs) They're just one night and then that's it. They're back off to the cock again. So... allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land I the rock I the river I the tree I am yours your passages have been paid inch by inch play by play till we're finished the Greeks had Socrates Romans had Cicero the French Descartes and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby this is where legends are made. Jez says. I don't even know how podcast Who's got COVID now? Regan has been in her bedroom since Friday. She's not been out, apart from yeah. during the day when I'm not here. She comes out and empties the fridge, and I come back to no food, so we're not having tea today because Regan ate three days' worth of tea meat. Packet of chicken fillet, packet of mince, pork chops, gone. Why is that, Regan? Good morning snack. If you were at school, you'd be having a ham wrap. Is that like a beef castanet? Spam castanet, beef curtain. God's sake, Batty, get down with the kids. So Regan's been isolating since Friday. I hope he's not getting down with the kids. (laughs) (laughs) She's been isolating since Friday, so only comes out of her room when there's nobody in. She tested negative yesterday, so she can go back to school tomorrow if she's still negative. And then last night, Romy tested positive. Joy. Are you sure, or are they just not sharing the same positive stick and they're just, like, blagging you and just having a couple of days? Well, it suits me fine that Romy's positive because it's a happy household when she's not coming out of her bedroom. It's not been a slammed door in two days. You know, we get the abuse by text, but it's not really the same. At least the neighbours can't hear that. She's confined. My dad, when I was a kid, because I slammed the door one too many times, I remember sitting in my bedroom and coming up and all I heard was and he took the door off. Just moved the problem. If you hear that noise in my house, that'd be me putting hinges on the other side so it can't be opened at all. I'd like it permanently there. So tell us about your birthday, Sherry. It sounds like it was a traumatic event. Well, it was quite traumatic. The majority of it was spent pulling ginger hair out of a filter. You haven't been using your manscaper, have you, Matt? <laughs> That's why it was long. The surgeon used the manscaper when I was in hospital last week. I'm bald for the nipples down. <laughs> for the whole of my life, my birthday has always been on the 22nd of January. It was never a different day. It was always that day. Book the weekend off work. Generally, go out with friends, do something with my husband, weekend away or whatever. And I thought with it being on a Saturday, obviously we're bound to be doing something. Comes to about Thursday, husband, you working this weekend? No, I've booked the weekend off because it's my birthday. Oh, right. I said, why are we not going out or anything? Have you not arranged to do anything with your friends? I said, well, we generally do something together and it's actually fallen on a weekend this time. Well, I didn't realise your birthday was this weekend. I've committed to doing a night shift in Scotland. I'm leaving on Saturday morning, back Sunday afternoon. Well, it was clearly going to go to shit. There was no way out of it. I could have gone out with friends or whatever, but I was too fuming to plan something at last notice. So what I did was took the bank card. I had a hot tub for three nights. You know, I tell you all the time I'm invisible. They only know where I am at mealtime. 
It arrived <laughs> Thursday morning. They didn't find me till Friday night. <laughs> as long as it was in the kitchen at mealtimes, it was good. Nobody ever missed me. How did you get in and out of the hot tub without anybody seeing you? I had towels and stuff out there. Yeah, no, it, well, it was in the back garden, and I've got patio doors, but I kept the blinds and curtains shut. I'm only the person that opens blinds and curtains anyway in this house, aren't I? Nobody else would ever think to do that. So I just kept them shut. Nobody questioned it. And the hot tub was just the other side of the wall in a big gazebo. Smoke machine and everything. Very light. Yeah, yeah. It was it was awesome. 36 hours of like just bubbling away, drinking wine. And then I got found by the ginger one. And that was that. She turned into a mermaid and I spent the rest of my birthday sat in the living room in between going out and unblocking the filter with ginger hair. <laughs> it was going great till Friday night. On Thursday, I give it a test run. Started work early without anyone knowing, so I'd have like a couple of hours off in the middle of the day before I went to work in the evening. Father-in-law turns up with a birthday card while I'm out there. Obviously, he didn't see me because he came to the front door. I went to the window. I was like, oh, God, I'm really sorry. I was in the shower. And he said, oh, I was just <laughs> dropping a card off. He said, you might want to turn the temperature down on that shower. Your bloody face is purple. I'd been sat in a 40-degree hot tub, but didn't want to out myself because obviously it was a big secret and nobody knew. Oh, my God. Also, it wasn't oh very God. secret because the entire women's yeah, rugby club no, knew about no, it. it. It was a secret from the people I live with. Nobody could believe yeah. it. When Romy come down, where's mum? Twisted Outside. the stick on the blind, <laughs> and there I was, starfishing it with a box of wine. <laughs> And the shot, can you imagine? Oh, my God, when did that arrive? <laughs> Result. And then Molly said to me, will they not notice when they let the dog out? They don't remember we have a dog. <laughs> it's only a 15-stone Great Dane. At least he didn't get in the hot tub with you. That could have been a right mess. No, he tried to drink it, but I think the chlorine wasn't quite to his taste. So, yeah, that was that. So, anyway, it was all good. Martin came back on Sunday and went, we can go out next weekend if you want. I'm off. Not Too quite late, the same. It's going to cost not him quite. double. You know what I've decided is, I've actually decided I'm not become a year older this year. I've decided to write it off. I chucked my cards in the drawer, didn't even put them up because I was so fuming. So really, technically, I didn't have a birthday. So I'm still the same age and I'm just going to carry on as I was next year. So Lou's been doing that for the last 10 years, Andy. <laughs> I actually realised I've been doing it since I turned 30. Jesus. Last year. 19 years. <laughs> Anything else from East Dorset Dockers, Batty? The message I got from East Dorset Dockers was they're going to see what's left at the end of the season, see how they get on. If there's only left over, they'll send you one. So I thought we could offer them some kind of swap. So what I think we should do, Sherry, is talk about what you are willing to offer them in exchange for one of their shirts. Are we really going there after what happened in the scrum? That woman threatened me because she said I was on top of her wife. And what was your response about her wife, Sherry? It was probably something... Politically correct. Just jog me on. I think, I think it was something along the lines of, <laughs> if I was going to get it on, I wouldn't pick your wife. <laughs> I think the finished with Jeff, and at which point three people restrained said wife from getting anywhere near you. Well, she was quite round. Bit of hygiene going on, or lack of. I think I ended with she effing stinks, and then <laughs> I didn't want to be under the woman's wife. That was not my plan. Was that where the ball was too? Yeah, probably, when the maybe. scrum collapsed and I was at the bottom, that was not the first thought. Oh, I'll try and get under her. That looks pretty. It's like you always said to me, Sherry, when I became newly single, was it all starts at the teeth. Just imagine what the hygiene's like down below. Yeah, if it's it starts at the teeth. 
Oh, that's very good advice. This is a good time to drop in Manscaped again. That was my dating advice that I got from Chez Says. I think she should do a Chez Says agony yeah. Well, we did think about this, actually. That was one of our yeah. ideas. Dear Chez Says. So you need to think, Sherry, what are you willing to offer East Dorset like Dockers? What? I'm not thinking sexual oh, favours. Right. I think that's for a different podcast altogether. But have you got any items, any things around the house, anything that Bongella, we can cobble together? Children. Two children. <laughs> well, I've got... Give them the ginger one. Yeah. Yeah. Year supply of Bongella. What about that lovely T-shirt you've got? What one? I used to be a hooker. Busier than a cucumber in a women's prison. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. Could, yeah, I could give that. So we offer a swap of that T-shirt. Yeah, the women's cucumber top. For, That's good. For one of their shirts. That's, That's a good, good one. Cool. And maybe a free membership to Doggers Weekly. Oh, that's going to swing it, yeah. I think Chez has to go and um, liberate a shirt from one of our remaining games to then gift in return. Yeah, like it. Yeah. What's liberate? Is that steal? <laughs> Long-term loan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all have those shirts. Yeah. What about that time we turned up without the shirts? Joyce has got one of those. They could have Really? That. Have you, Joyce? <laughs> And then you had to send it back to. It's a bit like when you go into the supermarket and you put like the flowers or the loo roll on the hangy bit on the trolley, but you forget to put it on the conveyor. And you get to the car and you're like, oh, do I go back and confess that I've just shoplifted 36 loo rolls and make it look like a really bad. 127 problem? nappies. Or do I just carry on and hope someone's not going to rugby tackle me to the floor and arrest me? So they could have that. What team was that anyway? That was Skipton. Oh, out. Yeah, they are. They can have a Skipton top. We get a legal letter now, aren't I, for returning said property? Well, if we right. give it to East Dorset Dockers, it's on them, then. Yeah. Not you. <laughs> yeah. Pass the book. There's been a rugby player from uh, Australia even got in touch with Batty. Tell her what she said. Is Shez Says like that in real life? People are seeming to think that this, the whole Shed Says thing is, you know, a character. They don't, this is actually <laughs> real life. Matt tones it down a little for the podcast, <laughs> if I'm honest. Matt told us she, Matt's answer yeah. was, she's actually worse. Oh, that's factually correct, yeah. I've been tagged by someone else yesterday, haven't I, Batty? You sent me that. Obviously, I couldn't look yeah. at it myself because I can't work Instagram. But now, <laughs> she said, hashtag Shed Says, laughing so much I can't breathe. It's just a matter of time before Ant and Deck are in touch. You ever see that woman in Australia now? She could surely put me a word in. Well, they're going back. I could drop your thing in. That's what I could give East Dorset Dockers. You know, if I get on, when I come out, I can give them my hat with the the corks on. No, I'm keeping the trophy. Matt, you've got to do some photo shopping and do a picture of Sherry and Jamie together. (laughs) Put it on on her Insta. Why have I never thought of that? Yeah, Yeah. that was a good night. (laughs) I'll make it so. Anyway, after our fairly serious episode last week, they're doing very well, actually. We've had a huge number of downloads, which is brilliant. I don't know why we thought this was a stupid idea in hindsight, but we thought we'd have a good antidote for the serious episode with a ridiculous episode. They're all ridiculous. Yeah, I know. This is particularly ridiculous. <laughs> we thought we'd talk about how rugby and being part of a, a women's rugby club or a rugby club in general, how it impacts our sex lives. Joyce will be good at this. That night we went to the awards. And we didn't share a room together. <laughs> that was your top dating tip. My mother listens to this. She ran off and went, oh, that'll do me for now. <laughs> That's me sorted for a couple of months. And then I had to pull over for a nap and eat a whole bag of fruit pastels. So I don't really know what went on. She had no energy. She couldn't even press her foot down on the accelerator. <laughs> that was not okay. Yeah, well, at least I wasn't holding the hotel bin still because I was going to vomit. Don't help me for the stolen goods, Joyce, without going into the Skipton top. I've still got that Hilton bin. 
<laughs> it wasn't just the bin you stole. It was all the bags from every other bin in the hotel room. <laughs> you know, before PPE became a thing, I was covered in it. Bin bags everywhere because I was so worried I was going to put carrots all over Joyce's car. <laughs> Oh, that was a good night. That was a walk of shame through oh, London. Yeah. That was. yeah, that was a good night. It was a great Bloody night. Hell. Me and Joe shared a room, but we didn't share a room. <laughs> I'm sure you'll join Shez Says again, will you, Joyce? Yeah, that's great, yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about that time when she embarrassed me in front of Freddie Flintoff to educate me on porn. Did I? Yeah, yeah. Like at the Trash and Netball Festival at Sandbach, where you decided to educate <laughs> me on watching the full episode of Fake Taxi. With the <laughs> What's Freddie Flint have got to do with it? Well, his daughter was playing. He was stood next to us. <laughs> I mean, he got quite close at one point, so I don't think he'd seen it either, to be honest. But Oh, wow. He's missing a trick. You are renowned for telling us all about fake taxi, though, Sherry, aren't you? All you need to do is get a black cab, get a long journey, forget your purse. Sorted. <laughs> That's it. Literally at it. one point, she nearly did buy it, a black cab just to do this. Yeah. I, I kept sending them on eBay. <laughs> I was thinking of getting one at like a scrapyard, you know, just half of one and setting it up in the back garden. It doesn't need to be drivable. Well, a bit like garden furniture, but the back end of a black taxi. That's this is some thinking. kind of ridiculous set. Like yeah. a, a man cave, but a sex cave. Oh, God. <laughs> so I think to anybody maybe has a fairly conservative upbringing. Normal. A car drive to an away match with Sherry, you fast oh, forward no. your awareness of sex education by about, I reckon, 10 years for every 40-minute journey, something like that. Oh, you're not going to talk about the mini when there was four props in a mini no. and you did the uh, cockily? Cockily. Oh, yeah. yeah. Somebody's <laughs> penis that looks more like a cocktail sausage. A serious amount of grooming need to take place. It was one of the men's team. We don't know who because we didn't see the face. We just saw it from the waist down. And we do know. Because you did tell us. But I was driving about 80 in the outside lane when you decided to show me this picture. I was doing And we just labelled it the Cockley. But yeah. when we see said person now at the club, hey, oh, <laughs> there's Cockley. <laughs> so, Joyce, how has being part of a rugby club impacted your appreciation? Gone purple. Because <laughs> I'm laughing, so I've got my hot tub. It's my blood pressure. I can't cope with all this it, sex. It's a vibrated egg, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, that's it. Could you turn it down a level or two, Shaz? Um, <laughs> do you know what? I think because I am a, one of the older players, and my generation probably wasn't as sexually open as the younger ones active. or Shaz, or active. Or uh, <laughs> we, we've got quite a diverse team. You know, a bus journey is really an eye opener, but. You do get educated. There's no way about it. There's stuff you get to learn about. And also it kind of normalises a lot of stuff as well because you kind of maybe not talk to your mate so much about some stuff. But there's the thing off bounds with Shez or horny whoever on the bus that decides to tell you about their sex last night. And You need something to get your mind in the game. So if you've got your headphones on and you've got your Kindle and fake taxi, you know, gets you in the right zone. How does that get you in the right zone? Just does. It like makes you concentrate. It makes me concentrate. Yeah, but not on the game, Sherry. <laughs> it reminds me to not forget my purse. Sherry, we forgot to pay the bus driver. Oh, and you're the no. last one on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Take around for a trip. Quick, go to Edinburgh. <laughs> there was this one time I went on holiday with my friend to Tenerife. She's a big listener of this as well, Maggie Murphy. Shout out, Maggie Murphy, the postwoman. We went on a holiday together to Tenerife, and I was uh, reading porn out loud on the lounger, 
Black Lace books, they're the, they're the way forward. It's erotic fiction written by women for women. Read it out loud on the lounger. And when I say out loud, every family could hear it. And she was going, no, stop, no, stop. You'll have to stop. She stood up. She couldn't take any more. She was literally purple, tears running down her face, went to run away and peed herself in front of all the families. That is a true story. And she listens to this. So now everybody, Maggie, will know of your little incident. <laughs> when you limped off to the port loose wet. Oh, God. Oh, but there God. really is nothing off bounds. So, you know, you, you kind of feel comfortable that you might have wet yourself running across the uh, <laughs> pool. Just, just to escape me. Joking aside, it is kind of a positive thing, though, isn't it? That you can talk openly and freely about it. It definitely seems that if you're not open-minded, you will be fairly soon after joining a rugby team. I think it all comes down to a bit like some of the podcasts you've done previously about body image and all of those things as well. It's like the more you talk about it, the more you normalise it, isn't it? Down from, you know, shares in a baby's arm story to someone having issues or not issues but just jokingly telling the story of things like i say it, it just generally normalizes it doesn't it so for the younger ones it does joyce there'll never be anything normal about fake taxi no there will not can we not normalize it actually oh Thanks. we did actually try and wean her off it i think she yeah. got addicted to it at one point so we yeah, you were a bit fanatical about it at one stage well, quite really interested to see with the stories that come out with us to why they can't pay today <laughs> The baby's arm story is the stuff of legends in our club. The question is, is it podcast ready? Not when you work at school. It is not okay. When I'm famous and been on I'm a Celebrity. But but that kind of story is quite good because it kind of demystified the use of toys and and summers and everything else and um, also made you probably look where you were storing things to make sure you didn't bring them down. Just, Just made me put a combination lock on my bedroom door. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've gone through the pain and the rest of us thinking, yeah, we need to move that. I'm like the guinea pig. It's interesting, like the sort of sharing of tips and like you say, normalising. I remember having a really cringe lunch with Molly and my friend Susie at work a few years ago. And Susie's gay. It was totally alien environment to me. And they sat and they talked quite freely about toys, what works, what doesn't work and that over lunch. And I was just like, this is just not normal behaviour. But you had to nip off, didn't you, and crack one off? <laughs> uh, no. Correct answer, Matt. Correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is Batty just disappearing to the toilet with the salad dressing? What is going on? The salad dressing? The vinaigrette. <laughs> what I found fascinating about it was, they talking really openly and freely and normally, almost like I was talking to my mate about fishing equipment, for example. Is that code for something? No, it's actually what we would talk about. <laughs> When you don't really talk about that kind of stuff, you don't really know how to improve that part of your anatomy life. And people who maybe are unsure or maybe have anxiety or some sort of repression around that kind of stuff, it opens it up and it makes it seem more normal. It gives people more ability to be positive about their own body and their own experiences, I guess. So here's a question for you, Matt, because obviously you've been on males rugby teams. Is the rugby bus for a men's team the same as a women's rugby bus because I know when like women get together and if uh, blokes join into a conversation they'll just go you're absolutely filthy you lot you're worse than men so I wonder whether we are just as women as irrelevant of rugby are just more open about talking about it is a total head fuck being brutally honest the difference is night and day the lads bus is generally humiliating each other and banter taking a piss drinking but it's generally quite boisterous when I was a teenager we pile on each other and generally play silly games and stuff the first bus i came back with you lot 
it was a total head fuck. At one point, somebody who will remain nameless was stripped down to her underwear and was writhing to some music whilst hanging on to the overhead lockers. Uh, to be honest, I'm still having therapy for that. I'd just like to confirm it wasn't me. And then there was the naked bus ride time, wasn't mm. there? And then there, it's very full on. I was currently at the service station looking for my purse. Probably, yeah. In the back <laughs> of taxis, yeah. I'm just mainlining <laughs> fruit pastels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's almost as if everyone's just been let out of their cage for a couple of hours, do you know what I mean? Get off the bus and like just back to normal. It's so, it's so weird. Back to abnormal. Yeah, it's like a little vacuum almost where anything goes. Like the conversation gets more and more ridiculous. People are much more free and open with each other. It's bloody hilarious. To the uninitiated, it's crazy. I've never been a single rugby player. Because I was married before I started playing rugby and I'm still married now. So I don't know about that side of it. In what way? The single ones, or if we go and tour and stuff, they can go off on the pull. All that side of it has never been because I was married before I started playing rugby. We still go wild and have a laugh, you know what I'm on about, but yeah, it must totally. be different when you're a single rugby player. You just don't go on the back seat. That's what you don't do. Yeah, exactly. Rugby the other thing that was a real head fuck for me was how sexuality is so fluid, how literally people who have always been in relationships with men suddenly dabble. And then go back to the cock. Never quite got that. Yeah, exactly. Or the so, cockley. No one went back to the cockley. Only the manscape. In men's rugby, we don't talk about sexuality at all, really. And if we do, it's like generally a bit lazy banter. You never have situations that I can remember. I can remember one situation when there was a bit of crossover. Cross-contamination. Which in women's rugby, I can think of certainly five or six examples of where there's been some cross-fertilisation. I would, again, just like to point out, not me. <laughs> yet. Yet. <laughs> Did you put yet, yet in there? Are you all right? <laughs> no, you do go sit on the back seat of the women's berth, you know. Yeah, that's well, that's where... so I can watch fake taxi in peace. <laughs> no one looking over my shoulder trying to steal my love eggs. I mean, I'm amazed that butt plug hasn't come out every time you go into second row. <laughs> it has. That time the wife fell on me, it's like a bullet. But he took Batty's eye out on the sideline. <laughs> I wonder what that was. It's never good when you sneeze. At least you can blame it on the game. <laughs> Lots of excuses to be had when you've just come out of a scrum. It's the injuries. Have you ever tried performing with the injuries? Or what, when I you can't move your leg because you're well, hips? Or anything. I broke my ribs once, <laughs> oh, serious God. dry spell. We were talking two months. Couldn't do anything. Out of action. Couldn't sit up, couldn't lie down, couldn't sneeze, couldn't cough. Sex was not on the agenda. Did you not just become a pillar princess for the team? Very frustrating. Yeah, you just What's like... What's that? What's a pillar princess? Just, just lie very still. Just yeah. the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. Yeah. <laughs> Used the baby's arm. That was okay. That's a good point, actually. Like, I've been in situations where you cannot find a comfortable position. On your knees, your knees are grazed. On your elbows, your elbows are yeah. bruised. Carpet burns from the 3G. Yeah. That's never good. <laughs> Or the back of the taxi. So how does that impact your relationship there? Will that happen, Sherry? Do you have to deal with some moaning? Well, it's hard. I just find, take four painkillers half an hour before. That usually takes the edge four? off. Four? Yeah. Have you seen my husband? He's six foot eight and 20 odd stone, love. He's drugging you. No, I'm having him because he's so big. It's like a battering ram. <laughs> oh, God. He's not a small man, is what I'm saying. If you've already got no skin on your knees, two painkillers isn't going to cut it. I never, ever am going to be able to look your husband in the eye ever again. Well, anyway, Joyce, you're about five foot two. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but you're about nipple level. That's good dedication, though, to the cause, shares if you're taking four painkillers just to get through it. Well, I just feel like I've got to take one for the team. <laughs> or four. Four for the team, as it were. <laughs> 
be as hard enough without your equipment letting you down. From badly fitting shirts to shorts that cut off your circulation, many sportswear manufacturers haven't worked out how to make kit that fits for the rich variety of women's shapes and sizes. After years of development, feedback and research, Halbro have done what many bigger sportswear brands have yet to achieve, designed a playing kit specifically to fit the female form. With curves in all the right places, four-way stretch, and a cut to suit all shapes and sizes, Halbro are uniquely placed to give your team the shirts they deserve. For more information, contact Fergus at halbro.com. To learn more about what Hellbro can do for you and to see some amazing case studies, visit www.hellbro.com forward slash women's hyphen rugby and don't forget to mention grassroots. Here's an interesting question. I was speaking to Nick Joyce the other day. She was saying that the rugby team has helped her develop a better and more healthy relationship with sex. In what way? I was going to say, what have we been doing? Prior to joining the team, she was, what, early 40s or something. She was in a pretty difficult relationship that was in its death throes, wasn't it? And basically had a very, very difficult relationship with sex. And she said through being part of the team and the open and honest conversations that we have, the joking we have, all the rest of it, she's actually become much more comfortable with it as a topic of discussion, much more aware of what she likes, dislikes, and so on. I thought it was really interesting. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I think we talk about it a lot, don't we? Like, not in a horrible way as such, but I'd say rugby makes you more comfortable about a lot of topics, to be honest, even mental health, sex. Sexuality, big time. Jodie's yeah. love life. Lack of. I can't think of any other group of women, or people, in fact, that I can go into a changing rooms or a clubhouse or whatever and just talk about anything. That you can't you can't talk about it with your family really you can't really talk about you can't talk about it at work you can't talk about it with your kids so I think actually being in with your rugby gang you do talk about these things it's almost like being at school a bit I thought you Lou you were just going to go into a random clubhouse and start talking to people about it I was thinking no don't do that yeah would love it so your perspective does. It must be quite strange because obviously your boyfriend, your husband, sorry, is also your coach. Yeah, I think if I tried to have sex with him on Sunday, he'd be saying I hadn't put enough of effort in on the pitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think there'd be trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'd be giving you a marks out of 10 for your performance like yeah. you would on a, on a Sunday. Try harder, try harder. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pr- pretty similar to Molly, actually, because they both play for the same team. In more ways than one. Possibly they do. Who knows? Yeah, yeah Jody, your powers of persuasion might have actually influenced the coaches. So, and, and it's interesting because like we were talking, I suppose you put about kind of how does rugby and relationships work? And we were saying if he goes training on a Tuesday, then obviously he's coaching us on a Wednesday, then they're playing on a Saturday, we're playing on a Sunday. That's a lot of days just doing rugby. No recovery time. You do consciously have to make time for each other, actually, with that sort of schedule, don't you? Because when you're doing a busy job as well, you know, and you have that commitment to the club, to, yeah. to actually put aside time, because you're seeing each other more so than some couples might, but it's not what you might call quality time, is it? No, and I think when Sean started rugby, he actually kind of said to me, will it be okay? Because it takes up a lot of weekends. So it meant that obviously we wouldn't be going and visiting friends and things like that. So it does kind of change your, your kind of life commitments. But to be honest, during training and during a game, I'm surprised when he talks to me. So he like went past me the other day, he's like, are you all right? And I was like, 
me. Because <laughs> competing with 14 other women on the pitch, <laughs> he's not interested in me. <laughs> That's an interesting comment. Same to you, Molly, really. Do you feel comfortable with your boyfriends and husbands being around that many women all the time? My wife really struggled with it. It's a bit different for us because do you think that it helps that Josh and Sean are such good mates as well? Because we can have time away as a four when we go on holiday. But when we're at rugby, I'd say the same as Dubs. Like I do speak to Josh probably more because I'm now stuck in the backs for a little bit. But like when I was in the forwards and stuff, I'd hardly speak to him at training and things. But because they kind of came in when me and Dubs were already established in the team, it's kind of like they're with us rather than we're with the coaches, if that makes sense. And I think our team... Apart from that one time where this really fit, attractive man came down to coach us. I don't know where he'd come from. Lou, you were there as well. He was the most attractive male, no disrespect, Matt, that had ever coached us. And probably still to this day, in fact, but never mind. No, <laughs> Most of the women lost their minds. Really? The straight ones, anyway, at that point, yeah. God. In fact, some of the gay ones did as well. <laughs> I don't remember this session. I think Sean must have told me. Oh, it was before your time. Before your time, yeah. Was it one of the... Guys from the uni? Was he from Sale or somewhere? Or Ah, uh, that's right. It might have been the, one of the no Sale idea, guys. Yeah. Oh, that way was. It was one of the guys from Sale. Yeah, one of those development sessions, definitely. Yeah, there was a lot of fanny flutters that day. The, uh, yeah, that is exactly that is exactly what Sherry said. She was like, I'm going to come training all the time if this is the coaching calibre we get. Do you mean he's a good rugby coach? She went, no, he's fit. I was like, brilliant. Josh and Sean have a very good relationship with the players and... They'll never really sit with me in dubs. <laughs> They'll just go and sit with everyone else and socialise. But no, I think because we're doing it together, it's okay. I think it would be a lot harder for me if Josh was coaching another women's team and I never saw him. I think I'd find that a little bit more difficult. So I can see why people external from the rugby group may find that a little bit daunting. This is Molly's Grassroots Salutes. Has everyone seen the awful comments about the young boy oh, yeah. who shouldn't play rugby? And actually, that hits a massive chord with me. I just wanted to give, not necessarily just the young boy, because it's absolutely awful, some of the comments that people have come out with, but actually the response from the rugby community. Mm-hmm. So... For those people that may not have been glued to the phone like me, there's basically this young boy called Alfie who plays for the under-12s and it's basically a post and this boy, bless him, has had to have a post taken off Facebook by his dad, I think, who'd put it on to say that some absolute moron, and that's a polite way of putting it, has commented on the picture of his son saying that he's too big to play under-12s and isn't healthy and it was just really really just awful and not in the spirit of rugby not in the spirit of being a kind human and his dad just talks about how he's getting fitter and how his low his confidence has been and I just thought it was absolutely awful that people have taken to fat shaming basically on social media a young lad who's playing under 12s rugby and is an amazing player and he's out there giving it his all and there's been quite a few people Nigel Owens being one of them, who've chirped up on Twitter, shared it and just said, actually, no, this is not okay. 
And I think that just screams grassroots and rugby. Uh, England rugby have gone back and said, keep doing what you're doing, Alfie. Rugby is for everyone. Oddballs have responded. So, yeah, really nice oh. to uh, to see exactly what rugby is about. is about the community and telling people to F off. Yeah, you can't underestimate the impact that being in a team can have on young people. My son, he's 13 and he would be the first to admit this, never particularly sporty when he was a bit younger. And he was in a school where... There are quite a lot of lads who are very sporty and very uh, competitive and very full of it as well, very, very confident kids. And Christian always was picked last for teams and nobody wanted him on their team and all the rest of it. And he basically decided that it wasn't for him, you know, so he didn't want to do sport, didn't enjoy it, didn't want to take part in the different activities at school and so on. Anyway, he started coming down to the club, doing some training with the under, under 12s. And it's completely changed his life because he's walked into a group where there's no peer pressure, there's no pecking order. There, there's a group of lads that don't know him for, in any other situation other than rugby. And first game he played, man of the match, scored his first try last week, even though I was nearly dead on the sideline with my appendix trying to eat me from the inside out. Played again on Sunday. Right, <laughs> you're, you're, you're making this about you, Matt. <laughs> he's done wonders for his confidence and his sense of enjoyment of the sport. You know, So when he goes back to school now and goes into the rugby sessions that they do occasionally, rather than feeling like he's not wanted there and not very good, he's actually loving the fact that he's got some skills that he's learned in a club so it's so important to support your kids when they go into that environment and to really give them the opportunity to do it when they can yeah i think we should potentially do not a whole episode on this but i definitely think we should talk about maybe uh parents and women and their kids and their enjoyment of rugby because i know that lou just said that this hits a massive nerve with her too yeah my eldest Lad, um, you know, I've always pushed my children to play rugby because of selfishly because I know it's a great sport and I've always wanted them to play, but they've never been terribly keen. But my eldest has tried for a number of years and he's he's not a small lad. In fact, he's pretty big and he's, he's proper forward and he's always tried his hardest. He's come a- across quite a lot of bullying and lots of hurtful comments and stuff, but rugby was always his place to shine because literally he'd run down half the pitch and he'd have four or five lads hanging off him and he'd just still carry on. One year he got an award from in between school and the rugby club. It literally made his life. But I can imagine if I'd have put some post on Facebook at some point there'd have been some haters or some comments saying what a big lad and probably shouldn't be playing rugby. So it was, you know, it's a very similar situation really. I know how hurtful it can be for a child and I know how hurtful it can be as a parent trying to bring your child through tricky times if they don't sort of fit to a sporty, lean, normal physique. You've got to take this stuff serious. As we heard from Jodie last time around, I mean, believing you're fat at a young age, whether you are or not, can have a lasting impact on the rest of your life, can't it? If people can't be kind, then they need to shut the hell up. Damn right. So, grassroots salute for you, Alfie. Well done. Grassroots News with Lou. There was one post and it was the Colompton Fly Half Move. But it was a slow-mo video of the Fly Half Move. It was just a slow-mo example of some seriously good Fly Half Move. The fact that they slowed it down, you could actually see everything that happened. And I just thought, 
That was pretty awesome. Also, they've got some sort of handprint embroidered onto one of the ass cheeks of the back of shorts. I think that's pretty cool as well. It would be a claw print if it was Laura. All right, I have got five fingers on each hand. If you want to have a look at that video, I think it's a great example of some club rugby. It's really nice to see, actually, especially in slow-mo. If you've got the luxury of having someone videoing or taking pictures of your matches, that would be pretty cool. These days, if you ask around, there'll be somebody with a really good camera who's doing maybe a video editing course at college or uni or something. People that have things like drones. We've been using a drone recently at training and in matches, and it's absolutely fantastic. The kind of images that you can get from them and where you can see the game in a different way. So if you put a shout out in your local area, you'll find somebody that does this as a hobby. They'll just do it for the sheer fun of doing it. It's really interesting, actually, to see the game footage from drone height (laughs) than it is watching it from the sideline because you can actually see the lines that are being run and how everyone's organizing themselves on the pitch if you can get someone to take drone footage of you playing it's definitely worth it if you want to take that back into the clubhouse the next week at training and dissect it a bit definitely i was going to come down and do it last week but unfortunately i was taken ill oh for crying out loud (laughs) only what laura's claw looks like from from 100 feet up (laughs) <laughs> well, you got really small hands as well. <laughs> they must have had a really good, uh, good zoom lens. It's like a big blue story, the aliens. Yeah. The claw. The <laughs> claw is my mum. So my daughter was been in hospital this weekend and luckily it's nothing majorly serious and we thought she'd got an appendicitis. Life-threatening, to... life-threatening. <laughs> but actually, it turns out it wasn't appendicitis in the end. But as a parent, she has various sporting commitments over the weekend. I'm really sorry, Grace won't be able to make it. And I didn't want to put some like shitty excuse like, oh, she's too tired. Currently we're in hospital, so we won't be able to make it. Really sorry. But what was really, really nice was that she's in the under 10s rugby for Crown and Twitch. And they did a video message for her, wishing her good luck and hope she gets better soon. And honestly, that is just what I love about club rugby and grassroots. They didn't have to, but that is what club rugby is all about in my eyes. And I just bloody love that. Brilliant. Is she all right now, Luke? Yeah, she's all right. We've got some things to work on. She didn't need any surgery. She's not going to have any phantom appendix pains or anything like that. I don't think there's actually anything wrong with her, but because they've made such an effort of making that video and because she didn't want the shit excuse, oh, she's too tired, she just said they're in hospital. Now she can't go back on it. (laughs) A serious web of lies here. Jodie, you spent a lifetime weaving intricate webs of deceit, and yeah. you would think of something like that. Matt, the difference is, Lou's mentioned it once, and her very young daughter has been in hospital all weekend. You may have dropped it in the pod on about Facebook, your appendix. On Twitter. Seven, on Instagram. Eight, nine, ten times. Literally well, everywhere. Know, I feel a sense of loss. A bit of me's missing. <laughs> oh, God. I've got one last piece of um, news, and um, it's pretty serious actually Go on. um sherry's got instagram oh it's oh, so awesome. <laughs> just utterly brilliant this day was always gonna come and now it's arrived is this her mission to become famous enough to go on i'm a celeb 
Yeah, why? Who's going to have Ron Armour celebrity? I mean, I reckon she'd be amazing, but she spent the whole trip to bowling on Wednesday telling me about one, her hot tub situation, and two, how she's going to get on I'm a Celebrity, and then also moaning that she doesn't work in a 24-hour clock. And when I said at 18.05 to collect her, she thought that meant 10 past 7. <laughs> Matt oh may have fueled the I'm a Celebrity situation. Interestingly... <laughs> Jamie Roberts is the, see, that's the whole reason she wants to go on I'm a Celebrity so yeah. that she can seduce Jamie Roberts. And Jamie Roberts is now going to be playing rugby in Australia. So he's already in say, country. Yeah. He's left. So he's, he's running away from shares. <laughs> all our listeners, go onto Instagram and follow grassroots rugby underscore shares. She's currently got two posts up and her bio just says miserable fucker. So, so far, she's got a picture of her dog looking shifty. And herself looking, well, combination of constipated and pissed. She'd put a rugby shirt on specially to take the picture. Definitely. Let's boost Shez's Instagram account to several thousand so that her dream of being on I'm a Celebrity can be realised. Is she the one that's actually monitoring it? Or is it being like, by her people. looked after by her kids? By her people. Does she have full reign of what gets posted? No, she's in fully in charge of it. That's why it's going to be pure gold. She's got Dangerous. 70 followers already, though. Probably bullied them in Aldi to, and made she probably them. Has. Do we need to put a disclaimer on it saying the views of this person are not the reflection of the views of uh, grassroots rugby? <laughs> but they also kind of are, though. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> we made this beast. <laughs> yeah. we created a monster. We created a monster, Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> The monster was kind of created. We just <laughs> encouraged it. <laughs> Gave it the spotlight. Indeed. Takes one for the face. Catches first, preferably, and then the drive. Ooh, full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh, my God. That is extraordinary. And the kick lands on the head, and offside is accidental. This is Every Team's Got One. The chimney. <laughs> So it's the individual or group of individuals that five minutes before kickoff decide to take to the cigarette packet or vape and puff continuously outside of the changing room. So when you leave, you feel like you're running through a smoke screen. And then either at half time or after the game, the second they get back to the changing room, they decide Blue. to light up a fag. Oh. At half time, that's probably. Does anybody actually do that? I've never had one at half time. So Mercedes. Mercedes, who Mercedes. is no longer playing with us, sadly. There was a breakdown. I think there was an injury or something. And she walked to the side of the pitch where I think, Jodie, you were standing, took the cigarette out of your mouth and down half your pint and then went back on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> that's grassroots right there. That is. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, like Chelsea's obviously toned it back a bit and she's she's quitting and all that, but there's a large proportion of our team that are quite healthy, especially in the men's game. There's a lot of people that smoke at half-time or straight after a game, Josh included. Mm. And I noticed this on Saturday. Right, I'd like to defend my corner a little here, having been name-dropped right off the bat. The chimney. Smokey Joe there. Yeah. I would not smoke before a match. I would not smoke in the half time, but I'm not going to lie. If there's not a pint and a lip fag waiting for me when I finish the match, I'd be a bit raged. That one straight after the game is usually very mm. pleasant. The chimney, at, at, to be fair, when I played for Northwich, we had a lot of girls that would have a fag at half time. Really? I, I don't get that. Why would you do that? 
Well, I suppose it's how addicted you are, I guess. There's definitely always someone that smokes excessively on a team, but seems to be the fittest and got lungs of steel. That is the most annoying thing, actually. That is very annoying, yeah. Famously, Jeremy Guska, he was a heavy smoker, and yet he was always one of the the fittest and fastest Mm. players. A guy called Christophe Dominici, um, he killed himself a couple years ago, played rugby for France. yeah. Yeah, he used to notoriously have a cigarette at halftime. In fact, he had a cigarette at half-time when France famously beat the All Blacks in the 99 World Cup. So what you're saying is cigarettes should be part of the diet plan for rugby players? No. I'm saying the half-time snacks could, in some situations, <laughs> yeah, for certain players only. <laughs> yeah. Gummy bear or a Benson well, Hedges. Uh, yeah. That'll be the, the grassroots sponsor. Can <laughs> <laughs> you get sponsored by British American Tobacco, do you think? <laughs> you're wonderful. Thank you. Good Lord. <laughs> As a small uh, like kids team runs out, I love it. Like, how many taboos can we break in one episode? Oh, loads. You know, we talked about Jodie's cop. Co- yeah, crossing the cop divide, <laughs> smoking, sex in general. What else? The claw. Anyway, the claw. Yeah. <laughs> the claw. Yeah, that's up on the gram now. So everyone get liking, sharing. Let's see if anyone else has uh, the defect that Doug does. Ouch. The defect. What happened a minute ago to saying how accepting we wanted to be? Does have you got a blue badge? I'm going to apply for one now because you're making me feel. You got a special walking stick. You're making stick. me feel abused. I've got a walking <laughs> stick you can borrow. Well, I wouldn't be able to use it, would I, with my claw? <laughs> Your computer keyboard just got three giant keys on it. I'm not coming back again. Last section is we're going to start a series of sections of how to start a women's team. So this is part one. So what's the first thing a club who's thinking about starting a women's team should do? Recruitment. You know what? I disagree, actually. You need to identify a need or a want for a women's rugby club in your area, I think, probably. Yeah, and I think you've got to have the appetite across the club for it as well. So not just one person. It's got to be buy-in from lots of people to think, actually, yeah, this is something we're going to support. Yeah, you've got to have buy-in from some willing people who want to start it off. It doesn't come from nowhere, does it? So what does that look like then? It's all very well saying get everyone on side and get by and all the rest of it. But what I found when we set up our team, a lot of people paid lip service to it. And a lot of people said, yeah, I'll be there. I'll come down and help. And in reality, it didn't happen. So what would you suggest that clubs do when they're getting going for that process of getting some buy-in? Speaking to other clubs who've got women's teams and say kind of what worked. Yeah, trying to, I suppose, speak to the women that are going to play and say what they need. Because I think that's, I'm not saying this kind of across the board, but there are certain things in our team, such as women with childcare issues. So we've really got to kind of plan to work around that sort of thing and, and think about how they can be accommodated, really. Yeah, I think it's really important to go through that process of research, definitely to find out what support's available. Another really important thing is to talk to the RFU rep for the region because I'm assuming it's the same person, but Jules in our area was unbelievably helpful when it came to setting up the ladies section. He managed to find some kit for us. He managed to build links with the local universities. He helped get us on places to do our level two coaching and so on. So we weren't starting from a completely blind standing point. I think if you try and do it all by yourself, Two things will happen. One, you'll make the same mistakes everybody else makes uh, when they first start. And the second thing is you'll duplicate. You'll do things that could be done by somebody else. You'll spend a lot of time doing things that perhaps you don't need to do. So I think getting that advice and support with somebody who's done it before is really key. Yeah, I think some RFU support is ace. And I think also 
you need the support of your club. You need the backing and almost, is this wrong to say, the permission? <laughs> you can't just, just start a women's section up just like that. You've got to run it past the the club and the committee and all that sort of stuff. You need all of that, but you also need money. And you need yeah, them to say, Yeah, it doesn't come for free. No, either. it doesn't come for free. So they'll say, and all clubs will say it, unless they're dinosaurs or there's a really good reason why not to. They'll say, Yeah, yeah, really behind it, really support it. It's a really important thing for the club. But then when it comes to it and you're asking them for, for kit, which we've talked about at length over the last few episodes, or equipment, or you know, you might need to pay for, for use of the 4G pitches and things like that. Or even like sudden, using the floodlights on a Wednesday night or something, you know, that costs money. Yeah, you'll find all of a sudden that they're not quite so enthusiastic. So by saying, okay, is there budget? How much budget? And then actually working out what you might need to do it in the first few months or so, that exercise of financial planning is really key. Because you might find actually it's, it's fine, it's sorted. You might find you need to find £500 from somewhere to buy a load of stuff that the club hasn't already got. You might forget about things like changing facilities that you think are fine, but actually that there's another club or another team that are using them that night. Or It's surprisingly complex to get all that stuff in place. But when you get it sorted, it's not always as difficult as you think. A lot of those things are obviously true of any like if you want to, if you set up another, like a, not necessarily a second team, but like a mini and juniors or a Colts or anything like that. So is there anything specifically about a women's team that is different or additional to what it would be just to set up another team? Because if you started like a, an unders, you'd have to buy a kit and, 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 you know, arrange for separate training sessions and stuff like that. So I suppose it's that, what's the difference between that and a women's team? And are there kind of additional things that you have to consider? No, I think, I mean, you know, a rugby ball is a rugby ball. If the club's got a, a load of balls in a shed somewhere, then the women can use them as well as the men. That, that's not a problem. The things that you don't always think about that you perhaps do need to are things like qualified coaches. And you need to check that. And you need to do some due diligence around the people that you're going to get into doing it. When you hear about clubs that have failed in the early stages of setting up, which you, which you hear quite regularly, actually, it's often due to things like that. So they'll get a coach in that doesn't, he's not really bought into coaching women's rugby, that maybe isn't experienced, maybe doesn't even have the right qualification set. Uh, and that can cause problems quite quickly. Because if you had an incident, you know, when you're teaching players that have got no experience where there was a, you know, a safety concern or an accident of some sort, and if the coach hasn't got their CPD up to date, hasn't completed the courses and so on, then that can have quite bad ramifications. Because in men's rugby, because there'll often be more players, often be several qualified coaches within a group. You know, one of the, the captain can take a session if the coach isn't there, for example. Or you might have a coach who can come over from a different section to support on, on that particular night. But with women's training, often it's a different night to the men's. And you can quite often find yourself in a situation where you haven't got a coach that can support. I certainly remember once I wasn't qualified and the coach I was coaching with, Mark, wasn't available. And we had to get a, somebody from the men's section to come down and run the session. And it was an absolute disaster. And the players really, really didn't enjoy it. I think it's a similar thing like we found recently in terms of physios because we play on a Sunday and then and physios are not keen to do Saturday and Sunday understandably you know there are kind of additional challenges to us playing on a Sunday that make it that little bit harder I think yeah definitely so I guess the message from this first part of this section is do your planning and reach out to other clubs that have done it to build a checklist of things that you're going to have to think about and really go into it in loads of detail so think about Equipment, think about space, think about qualifications of coaches, think about pitch availability, think about support within the club for things like catering, 
think about the changing facilities. You might think, oh, yeah, it's okay, we can play on a Sunday. But if the Colts are playing on a Sunday at a similar time to ladies and there's no changing facilities, then what will end up happening is one team will end up changing the car park, which is no good for anybody. Our club's really good at that. We're, we're kind of trying to negotiate. We negotiate like starting times and things like that to try and manage all of that. But I think it's also about, yeah, like where else is there a club regionally? Because you don't want to be stealing all the players from somewhere else or having to compete and neither team being able to get enough players. And then where else could you potentially get like universities or colleges, I suppose, that are near you that could be feeders, I suppose, yeah. um, and that are looking for that club. And you see that a lot on like the women's rugby networks is people's daughters or they're going away to university and they're like, oh, is there any clubs in this area? Yeah, there are networks that are out there as well with lots of support that I think are, is really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Build a budget. Think about what I need and how much it costs. Uh, and it doesn't matter if that number is unrealistic but it's a good starting point if you know you're miles off then you might need to ask a club for money you might need to do some sponsorship or some fundraising and and actually taking ownership of that in the early days is really good because it gives you a sense of independence but also shows to the rest of the, the club that you're serious about it i think one of the big things that was successful in our club was that we were financially independent almost from day one and that meant that any conversations we had with the committee which could be difficult at times were a lot easier because we were washing our own face financially Yeah, we weren't asking for money and we weren't asking for support. We just wanted pitch time and support from the club generally. We weren't saying, but also we need 500 quid for this. And also we need like 1500 quid for this. And, you know, right, no, we're sorted. We just want your support generally. And goodwill runs out pretty rapidly when you keep writing checks that the club is not expecting or doesn't think they should have to pay for. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. Not so much the stupid ref, but a cunning ref, I would call it. I was playing wing, and my opposite wing, and we were playing a real territory-based game. We just we yeah. didn't want to be playing in our half, so it was just constant kick and chase. And we've made an agreement between us, whichever one of us the ref had his back to, we were going to go up early and put a lot of pressure on the catch. And... Uh, he kept pinging us time and time and time and time again. Offside, offside, in front of the kicker. And I was like, how the fuck is he doing this? At the end of the game, we were walking off and I said, uh, went and shook the ref's hand and said, great game, sir. I said, well, I've got to know. I said, you must have eyes in your back. How the hell could you figure out like, which one of us was in front of the kicker and everything? And he said, uh, he said, oh, my wife stood over there watching and she's re- relaying the numbers back to me as to who's in front of the kicker. That you cunt <laughs> That is definitely cunning ref, yeah. I'm not sure we want to put in a brand new cunning ref section, but yeah, you know, fair play, sir. That's uh I did exactly you know, fair play, sir. Let me buy you a pint. He said, I think you said, can I buy your wife one as well? He said, No, she can <laughs> drink, she's driving home. I would like to um put a request out there. My love life is shocking, and we have so many viewers and listeners. If there's anyone with brunette hair, 30 plus, single, not in a relationship or a situationship, please get in touch. I was hoping you weren't going to do this, Jodie. Why? (laughs) Rinse the rugby team, rinse Tinder. I thought we've got such a great audience. Someone's going to appreciate my humour out there and already knows sort of a bit about me. And if very open, there you go. Jodie, right? Jodie's going global. That's what it is. <laughs> She's going, Australia. Australia. I'm coming for you. Come. <laughs> you know, what are the top three reasons why somebody should date you then, Jodie? Because you talked about what you want, not what they oh, should, what they might want. Um, You're a good I'm cook. A good cook. Uh, I'm a good shag. Um, <laughs> but it's a sex episode, so I can say that. Yeah, you can. Yeah. 
What else my good at someone say? Climbing up a greasy pole. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's in relation to my telecommunications job. I don't go up greasy pole. I still have my gold star. So that's that. No kids. No kids. My own teeth. I can drive. For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> the teeth, yeah. that is, not the driving. <laughs> you just basically want somebody with teeth and is a decent shag, and that's about it. That's all you're putting out there. That's the potential the reasons why they should date you. That's yeah. Oh, do you know what? I'm desperate. Not going to lie. Advertise myself on a podcast. I don't think I can get much de- more desperate. Look, desperation hits when you're actually a lesbian and you're going on a date with a man. <laughs> yeah. Preferably a woman. Preferably a woman. Within a 50 mile radius, but I will travel further. We'll travel for sex. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's, your, yeah. What's your radius of travel, Jodie? How far will you go? Um, for- the furthest I've been for just a shag once is Leeds. That was a one night stand. Was it worth so, it? Yeah. Was it a good shag? Was it? Yeah. That's all right. That's right. not bad then for two and a half hours for good, for good sex. It's better. If you've gone all the way there and it was like scissoring a five bar gate, then not good. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> his research was just searching down the category in his porn site. <laughs> I don't know what you're playing all innocent, Louise. You've got a form in this area. And you know it. <laughs> <laughs> all the women out there listening, straight or gay, that want to date with Jodie, what can you offer them? I'll take you on a date. What kind of date is this? Where are we going? It's going to be something exciting. Obviously, I'm not big on eating on a first date, so we'll go for drinks. We'll go bowling. I'm good at bowling. For like the first two bowls, I'll take you to the movies. I'll wine and dine you. I'm a great cook. I'll make you food, honestly. But all feeling that, if anyone's got Shona Brown's number, I'll settle with that. So ideally, Shona Brown, if you're listening, get in touch via the, uh, the podcast. We've tried this before. I think Shona's either otherwise engaged, busy, or no, she I made know. some inquiries and decided against it. I think you might um, have to say that for the foreseeable future, I think she yeah. might be quite busy. So maybe we need to work on Jodie's pitch a little bit as well. Maybe not, I'm desperate. <laughs> no, I'm not desperate. I am looking for the right woman. Much, Jodie, if I was female and single, the idea of going to the Mega Bowl in Stoke for a glass of water <laughs> with you in a car that may or may not have treads on the tyres is appealing. <laughs> Fix them. Are you looking for a rugby woman or a non-rugby woman? Well, I think if anyone's listened to this pod and advertised myself, then a rugby woman is going to be the one that mm. I'm going to get. I've never dated mm. a rugby woman. You know the place you start, and that's Stourbridge Ladies. Yeah, do you know what? Where is Stourbridge? It's, it's only about an hour and a half away. It's down in West Midlands. Mm. Is it? Yeah. <gasps> oh, I'm there tomorrow. Stourbridge Ladies. Apparently their what? kit makes them look really sexy. What day is their training day? Please say Thursday. Tuesday. Well, are they playing a match? Should we go and watch? Shall we? We'll go on tour. It's not that Can far we go away. on tour to Starbridge? Mini tour to, to Starbridge. Actually... Oh, hold on. I don't want to actually play rugby. <laughs> it's not going for a No, lash. I just want a shag. So Jodie wants a shag with one of the girls at Starbridge Ladies. So Darren, put your pasty down. Get on it. Oh, that's a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on that note, it's time to end the show. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you very much. Good night. Thanks so much for listening to Grassroots. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget our shit kit competition. There is still time to enter. Just send a picture via Facebook, Instagram or email of you or your team in shit kit. Like and share Grassroots and like Halbro's Facebook page and you'll have the chance to win an awesome Halbro stash pack and a Grassroots hamper. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots. Women's rugby on the roots up.